0: Welcome to episode 42 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Uh, this week's guests were Darwin Wiggett and Samantha Crisanto. Um It was an awesome conversation having them on the podcast. Uh, I've been really appreciating the work that they've been doing uh, around uh, ethics in nature photography. And we really uh, dove quite deep into that topic. Um, it was a lot of fun, you know, It's a topic that's come up over and over again on the podcast, but, uh, this week I think we really did a, a nice job of exploring that topic thoroughly. Um, we also talked about, uh, their journey into nature photography, um, what it's like to print and publish, uh, their magazine, which is called the league. Um, sorry, I've got a cold. So my voice sounds funny. Um, we talked about, uh, capturing images ethically and, uh, Creating images that start con- conversations, and we also talked about um, teaching others how to follow their own creative path. Um, just a reminder, uh, please, please, please consider supporting the podcast on Patreon. I know I say it every week, but uh, it really does help uh, keep the keep the flames going here for the podcast. Um, I've got a special collaboration going with darwin and samantha for their magazine the league um we've partnered so that uh anyone who contributes fifty dollars on patreon for the podcast also gets a free fifty dollar subscription to the league uh, magazine which w- you can learn a lot more about in this podcast episode um that's about it this week um, please feel free to reach out to me on social media matt paint photography and matt paint photo um Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. We also have a a Reddit, subreddit, and a Facebook group. And I'll put links to those in the liner notes. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, uh, Darwin Wiggett and Samantha Chrysanthou. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, you got it.
0: All right, and I apologize to all the listeners. I have a cold and a cough, and so my voice sounds a little funny. But we're gonna we're gonna knock this podcast out. It's gonna be an awesome episode. So thanks, guys, for coming on the podcast. No
1: problem. Thanks for inviting us.
0: Absolutely. I, you guys came highly recommended from a lot of people uh that I uh have a great deal of respect for, um, including Sarah Marino. Um and I really like what you guys are doing um with the league and with your website and whatnot. Um and we'll of course we'll dive into those topics later, but uh first I was hoping to maybe just uh tell us a little bit about yourselves, um maybe talk a little bit about how you got into this crazy world of nature photography. And uh, what is where is Cochrane, Alberta? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Cochrane is about just a few kilometers, 20 kilometers uh, west of Calgary. So the nice thing about living in Cochrane is we can see the mountains from our back deck, but we are also just a very short jaunt to the prairie and even um, some badlands that are further east. So it's a really nicely situated place uh, town, although it's really more like a small city now. But
0: Nice. Okay. And uh, how did you guys get into this, this whole nature photography thing?
2: Okay. Well, when I was a little kid, <laughs> I always wanted to <laughs> yeah, be... Yeah. How much time do you have? You know, I always wanted to be a mountain man. And then uh, the closest thing I could find uh, to be a mountain man was to be a biologist. So I became a biologist and then I found out that biology doesn't pay. So I thought I'll try photography because that probably pays so anyway i I had a degree in zoology and like a lot of zoologists geologists dentists uh, doctors all sorts of people that have gone in in those kinds of biological type fields um found photography to be fascinating especially nature photography and then i've been doing nature photography for about 35 years and um, sam and i connected about um, 11 years ago and i'll let sam tell how she got started in photography.
1: Yeah, so I, I met Darwin um, on one of his workshops and uh, basically took the instructor home. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got started in it is I had an interest in photography and took one of Darwin's workshops and he was very awesome and talented and I was really inspired. And so I kind of started more, learning more from him and we kind of clicked in more ways than one. <laughs> and um, so... I started on my own, doing my own photography and my own website, but pretty soon it seemed a good idea to join forces and create our own company and and teach photography together. That was about, what, six, four years ago, I think, right? Four
2: or five years ago, we made our own company, Upumu. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, yeah, that's cool. I mean, so you guys came together and you started to collaborate on Upumu. Um, What was your ultimate goal for creating that site?
2: Well, I think one of the things we want to do is is um, the Upamu kind of ideal is is to create, inspire, and educate. So the very first mandate is to have um, help people to create a lot more and to create from their from their inner kind of uh, soul, so to speak. And then um, that inspires other people to create, and then also educate on how on how to do those kinds of things. And also we wanted because Upamu is a fun name. We also didn't want to take ourselves too seriously or have other people take their art too seriously, but really have fun. I mean, the the biggest thing that you do when you're creating or the best way to create is to have fun. And so we had a funny name and we make sure that we have a lot of fun when we are teaching.
0: Yeah, I really liked your video where you introduced the name of the of your business. I think it's pretty funny.
1: Yeah, those Darwin's parents unscripted. They're very good sports. <laughs> I don't know if they approved. <laughs> yeah, but... I, la- I laughed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, definitely one of the things that I really wanted to dive deep with you guys on was this idea of ethics in nature photography. I know that uh, it's pretty embedded in everything you guys are doing right now, and I, I really wanted to um, talk to you about uh, what that really means for you and um how how has that become part of what you guys are about
1: well i think um we just really love nature like we both of us have um big connections to nature we love being outside and love the natural world and uh one of the things that we've seen is that as more and more people fall in love with photography and travel that there's some impacts from that and we were just really seeing that in the business and in the world of photography so as that kind of came past our desk and more and more in our travels or or even just our local outings um it just seemed that it was something that we needed to bring more to the fore because we we wanted to promote and preserve some of these natural places and not destroy them by just sheer love of them so it just seemed more important to bring that up and have that as an expressed foundation of our business both in upamu and then in the creation of um, this uh, grassroots group, the League of
0: Landscape Photographers. Uh, what about you, Darwin?
2: Well, I, I think the same thing. It, it's it's um, maybe one thing when there's a small number of people um, going out there and it's like, okay, I can go off trail or I can go over here and it has very little impact. But then when the whole population starts getting interested in in visiting these areas, especially because they've been popularized on the web, then our um, the impact that we have is is magnified, and that's where we, then we can't just kind of um, go out and and do whatever we want, however we want. We have to consider how our impact is is, is having on other people and is having on the, the natural environment we profess to love. So sometimes we might have to give up some of those freedoms that we initially might have had just to preserve what's what's fantastic out there and the more places um the more that places get visited the more impact there can be and sometimes there's in in photography like in a lot of things there's a competitive nature um and some people are like i will go to the extreme to get this shot go to this angle of view that nobody else has got and then the next person is well that person went and got that angle of view so i'm going to go down to the base of the falls and trample around to get that same kind of thing and and then pretty soon that place that was loved um, is is kind of wounded, and then they move on to the next one. So we just wanted to make sure that we kind of practice the do-no-harm principle where we're not harming the thing we love to photograph. We're not harming each other in doing it. And there's just a respectful dialogue about the whole thing.
0: I love that. So you mentioned uh, freedoms. What kind of freedoms um, are you referring to in terms of what, People may have to give up in order to follow this kind of philosophy.
2: Well I think uh, an easy and obvious example is if we're hiking in the mountains and we we're on an established hiking trail and we get to an alpine meadow that's full of beautiful wildflowers and you know maybe in the past if there's only 10 visitors a year and you go off trail and hunker down and um, get some wildflowers close up okay, maybe the environment can handle that amount of impact. But when hundreds of people go up there and they all go off trail to find their little um, spot of wildflowers, then the thing that we love is is literally trampled to death. And and I think um, a lot of people might think that the constraints that you have is like, oh, gee, I can't go off trail and I can't go to the, this spot or that spot or I have to shoot the same thing as everybody else actually is is it's not true constraints actually make you more creative um and amazing stuff can be taken from the trail and you don't have to go off trail um to get that so it really is in areas of high visitation um you should consider what your impact is you don't want to destroy what other people have come up to look at because they want to see it also
0: yeah i i totally agree it's um I've seen a lot of areas, especially, you know, I used to live in Oregon and Columbia River Gorge. I used to see like different places just get totally trampled because of just foot traffic and it wasn't all photographers. It was probably a minority of of them were photographers, but oddly enough, those places were made popular by landscape photographers. So it's like we're equally a blessing and a curse on these Mm -hmm. locations because we're growing people's appreciation of these places, but then we're also bringing more people to them.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Um, well, thanks. So I'm also curious, um, when you guys are in the field with other people, how do you weave in that conversation of ethics?
1: Um, well, we, we actually do like a little meeting with people in the field before we get started and kind of go over just some basic, like concerns about safety or things like that, if there's areas where people should be careful, like river edges. And then we also talk about staying on the trail and and not moving vegetation for a photo or picking vegetation. We really encourage people to think about the environment so we have that kind of a frank discussion before we set out on a field trip.
0: Uh, I love that. Um, One of the things that I was curious about, um, have you guys seen uh, pretty... Clear examples of um these locations getting um over popular over time and what that impact has looked like?
2: For sure. Like one of the easy ones for us to um kind of showcase is Vermilion Lakes in Banff, which has Mount Rundle um in the background, these three beautiful lakes that uh picture perfect, literally. Um they're usually always calm. They're in the winter, one of them is stays open. So you've got water open in in the winter because of a hot spring. They're they're roadside locations, uh, so you can photograph them right from the pavement, um, and they're iconic. Uh, The other thing that happens there is because the the views um, face towards the east, and the prairie opens up behind the mountains, that uh, often you get amazing sunrises, and so... These kind of pictures are popular all over the internet. You can find pictures of the Million Lakes and Mount Rundle everywhere. And so everybody comes and uh, you can photograph them. And like I said, you can make fantastic images from the road. Um, But then all of a sudden over the years, over the last uh, 20 years, but mostly in the last five years, where there never used to be any little trails through the vegetation, now there's trampled trails everywhere. And people are moving further and further off the road to get A unique viewpoint. Um, So I think a lot of photographers think that if they can find a different viewpoint from another photographer, that they'll have an image that's different. Whereas true creativity comes from presenting the subject in your own personal way. And you could have 10 photographers stand in the same spot on the pavement and have 10 different pictures if they're photographing from their heart and photographing for their own vision. But a lot of times I think photographers think that unique access is what's going to set them apart. And uh-huh. really what it does is it just kind of tramples the area.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, what, what do you think uh, we can do collectively as landscape photographers? Um, other than what you've already mentioned to um, promote these ideas and to um, ensure that these locations are here to stay for the long term?
1: Well, I think a lot of that is, is just in your own messaging that you put out. So examples would be that um, you have a statement of values or a code of ethics that you post on your website, and you, you message the world, this is how I operate, these are my principles, and then follow that. So and, and this doesn't have to be really constraining. There's a lot of Um, examples out there from hiking and backpacking um, principles like leave no trace you know pack it in pack it out Uh, so if we follow those kind of outdoor rec principles a lot of those will be excellent and really useful for photography Um, so message that put it on your social media talk about that um, when you if you do any teaching or educational events encourage people to think about and follow those kinds of principles and even, you know, ask your participants to abide by those if they want to come on your, you know, your workshops or your outings. And I think also, um, uh, like you had a, a post on your um, blog about how we present our work to the world. So if you're doing things, um, adding composites, or if you're representing something as true or real, and it's not, like, you know, that's, a, that's an ethical um, issue, I think, to raise too, is how what's your approach, what's your values, what are you all about, and then putting that out there in the world and, and sharing that with people and encouraging them to think about what their values are and what how would they um, work, like, approach photography in the field. What would they do differently what would they do the same? So, yeah. we're, like, we're kind of more about dialogue. Like, we don't want to be prescriptive about it, but we sure. do want people to think about it.
2: Yeah, and the other thing that happens if you look at a lot of um, photo photographs and and photographers often there's a message of i hung off this cliff i (laughs) battled the elements i i you know slept in my tent for so many days and i i suffered i suffered i suffered for my art and you have to to go out and and conquer nature um versus you know kind of be with nature it's it's that hunter mentality and it seems like there's kind of a one-upmanship often about who can go the furthest and do the most extreme kind of thing doesn't necessarily translate into better pictures. It just makes for stories that sell online a little bit better.
0: I can attest to that since most of my photos are from like stupid mountain climbs and stuff like that. Like they don't sell well. (laughs) 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 That's funny. Um, well, I love that. Um, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the idea of how you present your work as an ethical, um, I don't want to say I guess an ethical consideration is I guess the best way to put it, but, uh, it's, it's something that's really troubled me more and more over the last few weeks. Um, and, uh, with this recent lunar eclipse, it really just set me on fire when I start, started to see more and more people just doing ridiculous stuff in post-processing to present images that are completely impossible, mm-hmm. um, and some of them are passing them off as real, which um, bothers me too, because then the general public comes to expect that out of everyone. And it, it just, it's just a zero-sum game in the long run, I think. But.
1: Well, I think there's also – a it's unfortunate that we do think a photograph is real, because even if we don't add things into the image, we're still cutting things out. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we talk about in some of our talks and workshops is, is what is truth in a photograph? and what is, what is real. So I think, I mean, it, that debate doesn't, I don't know if it really gets us very far, whereas if we think about it more in terms of art and not, and is this art, is this, how does this move me, is it artful, and also not represent things as real or not real, like that just doesn't seem to further the debate very much or get us really
0: anywhere. I mm-hmm. mean,
1: I I'd also think people should, be okay with the term digital artist if they do a lot of their creative work online then don't call yourself a photographer because maybe you're doing more of your creative work online on a computer and you're a digital artist that's where your mojo is mm. or if you kind of do more of your creative work in the field then maybe you're capturing a light and a photographer you know like these terms get all jumbled up and right. the, the public thinks that a photograph is real when that's not really what it's about is it?
2: Right, and if we, if you have two photographers standing side by side and they're capturing the same scene back to Vermilion Lake and Mount Rundle, and um, let's say that they're pure photographers, whatever that, whatever you want to huh. define that, but that they just capture even the raw images, and you presented the raw images online. Um, whose reality is the reality of Vermilion Lakes? So, for instance, you could have um, this beautiful reflection shot with Alpen Glow and gorgeous clouds in one shot and then the person sitting beside the could have the same light and the same scene but in the foreground they have the tim hortons cup the trash and the trampled grass like which reality are you portraying and what is reality what is i mean one experienced a certain reality of Vermillion lakes which was awe and beauty and the other went jesus is right beside the road and there's trash and this park is being wrecked so even there what you know what is reality yeah, photography what's true what's truth yeah
0: yeah absolutely well i mean the camera has never been a very good uh documentary device in terms of showing what actually happened because of mm-hmm. physics and lenses and all that stuff but uh I, I think you make a good point for sure
1: there's a canadian photographer named freeman patterson he's an amazing man if you're not familiar with him you should check him out he's been photographing for a long time and uh he says the camera always points both ways so what we choose to capture tells a lot about the photographer and your motivations and your interests and your beliefs and i think that's very true
0: absolutely well tell me a little bit more about the league because i am really uh intrigued by this idea of having an annual publication that is rooted in uh, ethical principles. So, I mean, give give me the lowdown on that thing.
2: Okay, so yeah, you you hit it in the first part. Or, well, two parts of, of three, kind of. I mean, it's a it's a print publication. It's annual. It's we call it a magazine, but it's think of it more as kind of a fine art uh, book um, on really high quality paper and, and high quality printing. And it is featuring the work of people who have um, captured images ethically, and essentially um, the people that capture the image ethically, they they state to the world what their ethics are. Um, and then the other pillar is it's it it is um, artful, thoughtful, layered photography. So it's just not images of of an iconic view of beauty. But it, it they're images that are designed to start a conversation. So things are never black and white in terms of, um, you know, for instance, a, an easy give me would be somebody photographing clear-cut forests and, and the kind of messages, this is bad. Whereas a league landscape would have more layers where the, the um, audience might kind of come to, to, to conclusions looking at the photograph, and some audience members may have... A, different conclusion than others so it's not a it's not a point the finger kind of thing it's more let's open up a conversation and these are the kinds of images that make great um, league images ones that start conversations that actually bring people together in communities to talk about things like that and not point fingers and not be you know left-leaning or right-leaning images or thou shalt not or thou shall but just more um, images that that are artful and bring up conversation
0: so when you say um, images that start a conversation, can you give me an example?
1: Um, I think a key part of that would be personal. So we want photographers to go in there and photograph things that, are, that mean something to them and not maybe suggest an answer or um, an outcome that they want to have happen, but more raised questions like, do you think this is good? Is this is this whatever's happening, maybe, say, in your local park, is this something that is good for us, or is this something that is not good for us? So, conversation. So, instead of, like, a conservation magazine is almost always very um, easy to, you know, describe in terms of, you know, development's bad or industry's bad and animals are good and humans are bad. But these kind of really simple dialogues don't really get us anywhere. It just drives everyone into opposite camps. And then nobody gets together and we can't say, well, I don't understand where you're coming from. Let's talk about that. And I'm going to share where I'm coming from. And maybe we can come to at least an understanding, if not an an agreement to go forward. Like a good example is a forestry industry. Some people say, well, why are you doing print? Printing, you know, you're killing trees. And the irony is that with all of our online work and (laughs) production of phones and computers and tablets and laptops that we're using so much energy yeah. and creating so much junk that print a managed forest is a, like a more ethical outlet for photography ironically now than having like billions of hours of like electricity used to share your photos online so The thing is, part of it's just information education. There's a lot of misinformation out there, and it's, like, such a mess. You try and do the right thing, and then you're like, oh, great, this was super bad. I just killed some algae in Antarctica or something. You know, like, it's hard. You feel like you make a misstep all the time, and we don't have answers, but we just want to have a forum where photographers who are concerned about these things can make art and raise questions and and say, what about this?
0: I like it. So... Aside from the actual print media, are is there a is there a forum or a format by which people that subscribe to the magazine can have those conversations?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question because um, it's a little bit loosey goosey. <laughs> so we didn't we thought about starting a nonprofit, but like everyone's busy. So we thought, well, who could we ask of our friends? And you know, as soon as they saw us coming, they were like turning around <laughs> and running the other way. So we thought, okay, everyone's super busy. We need to make this easy. And we don't have the answers and we want to make it prescriptive and meaningful for the people who get involved. So essentially, the group, the League of Landscape Photographers, of whose work we mostly publish in the League magazine, is just a grassroots group. So essentially, we have a website and photographers who read the There's a very detailed code of ethics there, which is a guideline. And then photographers read that and they think about what matters to me and then they either post their own code on their website or social media site or something as simple as a statement of values and and that's it you can put the league logo on your website and you're a member so it's just very loosely organized grassroots self policing um it's really more to be a movement um to progress than it is to be prescriptive and clicky and closed door, uh-huh. so it's yeah. very it's very loose ended that way.
2: And there's no thing we don't have things like membership no. fees. It's not a it's there's not no a, it's not it's not a raise um, money that way. It's like it just are you a person who cares for uh, the environment around you, who cares for other people around you, who actually wants to to, to do photography in a actually a sustainable way. I mean, that sustainable word is whatever overused, whatever yeah. that means. But you're the one that can describe best what your ethics are and what your ideal behaviors are because if we tried to draft a document of he- here's all the things that you should do then there's going to be all sorts of disagreement and there's going to be like i don't believe in this part but i believe in that part so really if you it circles right back to a, it's a conversation starter mm-hmm. um just like the magazine instead of us drawing the lines say here's all the things that we believe it's like well what do you believe and let's all have a conversation about it and then it raises awareness, and then we can all go out in the field more thoughtful about okay, are we causing impact or harm, or what can we do better, or or what works for me as as a photographer.
1: Mm-hmm. And just like your conservation award that you're doing, you know, some people would be like, "Well, what's in it for you?" And really, what's in it for us is that we didn't want to just stand by and watch an industry that we really care about and nature that we really care about just kind of keep going on the path it was going. So, like, you know, trying to raise money for an award, its that's a lot of work, yeah. right? <laughs> it's You do it because you kind of believe in something and it matters to you. And you just want to do those small things that add up to big changes. And sometimes it's just a little thing that you can do by posting a statement of values and following it. And yet we believe photographers are really uniquely placed mm-hmm. because of the power we have with our cameras and our ability to capture the world and show people the way we see it that we're like we're really uniquely placed to take up arms kind of in a way and say you know what we can with our cameras we can go out there and and be leaders in in how the world can look and here's places that are near me that are important to me here's what's happening to them and kind of tell these visual stories to people and be like put sort of yeah leaders i guess in the field
2: Mm -hmm. that creatives creatives can um cause change and so the change isn't going to come from the top down as we know change is going to come from the the bottom up and so often the best things that have ever happened in the world have come from creative people from artists and one of the things society seems to be going towards is is we're not really rewarding artists or we will we're rewarding people you know um working and spending more time working and spending more time on devices and, and less time creating and, and and thinking about things and helping to change the world. So one of the reasons we started League is because it's an outlet for those people who are creative to start to make change, or at least have conversations that start to make change. And, and that's kind of where it came about. And also, as an ethical magazine, um, unlike a lot of the way the photo industry has gone, is... We want to use the funds that come from sus- subscriptions to pay artists for their time and for their good work. So it's not a, we'll give you exposure, <laughs> or any of those kinds of arguments that have become, hmm. you know, basically what everybody's doing now from the top-end magazines down. No, we are using funds from subscri- subscriptions to pay artists. So really it's artists supporting artists. And um, and then the money goes back to... to these creatives to tell their to tell their stories to start um, uh, conversations and and to basically hope start to initiate change.
0: What was your inspiration for creating the leak?
2: Well, I'll give Sam that one because Sam came <laughs> up with the idea. It's this it's this, uh, a big Sam brain that started the League and, and actually started Ubuntu. So um,
1: I think just the inspiration was that. We saw so many photographers doing good out there, and yet there wasn't really an outlet for them. There wasn't a place where they could publish their work and be paid for it. So we thought, well, that's got to change. I mean, ourselves as well. If we do our our photography and we want to publish it somewhere, there's some limited places. There's a there's a great magazine in Canada called Outdoor Photography uh-huh. Canada. It showcases Canadian talent. And we're not competing with that because we're doing more. Like it's not um, traditional landscape photography that we're concerned with. Or how to?
2: Or how to? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but like he pays, but I don't like I don't know too many people who. Too many magazines. Yeah, pay pay anymore, and and the ones that did, some of them vanished. So it's kind of a weird world to live in because ironically, niche publications by self-starting entrepreneurs and people who care um, about what they see going around them, those are actually doing well. Like there's a resurgence of print for niche publications, whereas general mainstream media are sometimes struggling. So it's a great world in that if you have passion and interest and skills in a variety of areas, you actually have a lot of opportunity and there's ways to connect with people. But Mm. some traditional models aren't working so well. So it's a great time for creatives, but it's also a struggle because you have to find your people and find your platform.
2: But social media can be used for good in that way. Yeah. So you can gather all these people that have similar ideas and you can join forces and you could make a niche magazine that actually works. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're going, oh, social media is bad and this is wrecking <laughs> the world. It, it, everything, everything's everything got good and, and things to be careful about. And, and there's social media for good as well.
0: So I'm, I'm curious about... Um We've covered kind of the conservation thing. We've covered like how you present your work, but I'm wondering what other ethical considerations have been brought up through um, through your guys' thinking and, and the magazine and stuff like that in, in relation to uh, nature photography.
1: Well, ironically, when we made our first issue, a huge thing that came together when we we're reviewing the submissions was how much photography helps. Oh yeah. Right. And that was, yeah, like that was a huge surprise Mm because, um, people were saying, I, I don't know if I would have made it if I couldn't get out with my camera, like Mm -hmm. just, just regular life stuff, you know, the loss of a friend or very stressful time or your own ill health. And, and this strong thread kept emerging through the submissions and we actually made it, uh, one of our, um, features in the first issue was a selection of photographers who, we're talking about how photography helped them stay okay, like to get okay or just to get better. So that was amazing. And, and that is another thing that just keeps coming through yeah, stronger and stronger. So building community, getting together, um, doing creative things together, and just healing through creativity is an amazing thing that we've learned on this journey.
2: Yeah, a lot of, we hear it from a lot of people that, um, you, you know, it's – there's the online communities and there's the sharing stuff. But really what happens is, is people make their best connections in person. And the whole reason why nature photography is exciting and appealing is because people really, they might say, I love nature, but what's really happening is they're reconnecting with themselves because of uh-huh. nature. So when they get out in the outdoors, I mean, it's like there's this big sigh and, and, and they're like, oh, I feel I feel at one. I'm um, i I've reconnected with myself uh, because everybody's so busy and everybody's so connected. Otherwise, that they're having uh, more sh- shallow connections. But the ones where you you know you meet your buddies and you go out shooting together, or you just go out on your own and you're you're awed by what you see in, in, in nature then you connect with yourself. So that's where the healing um, is coming from for a lot of photographers. And there's
1: also evidence, though, that being in nature outside is healthy for us, that we that we actually crave it and that we're disconnected from nature. So connecting with yourself, but there's something else that goes on when we are in nature and outside in nature that I think we've forgotten, actually, by being indoors so much and plugged in so yeah.
0: much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, while you were talking, I was struck, By this idea in my own mind, um, I I often find that there's, um, and maybe it's just me, but uh, that there's tension between different ethical principles as they relate to landscape photography, for example, like um, like I was kind of talking about in my blog post, you know, just create art, do whatever you want to create art. Um, but if if you have no considerations on the impact of what that has on other people or the landscape or whatever, then it becomes in direct competition with another ethical tenant. So I, it's really hard for me um, to hold all of those things in the same space. Have you guys found that same challenge? or?
1: Well, I don't think so because we're very community-minded. Ever since we started Upamu, it was really about working with other people and less about promoting ourselves and our own brand. But I also think there's, like, I think you raised the the specter of the, the artist, so the selfish artist, mm-hmm. that if you, it, the only way to succeed is by putting your work first and ignoring community, and I think that's just a construct. Um, you, you know, I, I do my art it makes me feel good, but you aren't alone in a vacuum, you exist in a society, and yet we kind of allow our crazy creative types to get away with that because they're so talented and unstable or they're so powerful or amazing when really society should say, well, you know, what is your art that valuable that you have these special privileges or, you know, access or something like that. And I don't think so, but we have that running through our culture that we're kind of hands off on geniuses or so-called self-called geniuses. And I don't think we should. Right.
0: Right. I can think of lots of, um, famous landscape photographers that have gotten lots and lots of heat over the years for their creativity and things that they do in post and things like that and so I don't I think people do a pretty good job of of aiming criticism their way but uh I I rarely see them backing down in any way um which is interesting
1: well sometimes maybe just don't have a we still value that right like they're still surviving or making money i mean i'm I'm not sure depends on the person i don't know exactly who you have in in mind but i was even thinking of just the family so Mm -hmm. we like Mm -hmm. a family will make a lot of sacrifices so that an artist can succeed and is that justified you know like is that is that okay is is their art so important that other relationships suffer and that's a question that i think society has to answer in general and the family Mm. itself as well
2: well and amongst my colleagues because I now a little longer in the tooth and um <laughs> <laughs> or and I, I also have of teeth by the way. <laughs> but um, um but uh I mean I've been in nature photography a long time and and again as a younger as a younger man you kind of the, the trophy go out and and there's a whole bunch of competitive stuff with the other people and then and then you see a lot of the colleagues that I've had and and myself included kind of burn through relationships and um because you put your art first and you put your passion first and and society rewards people that are like i'm so passionate that i've my whole life is just this and right. he damned everything else mm-hmm. and then as you get a little bit older you're like well was it all worth it and what did i lose in the end so it's now come around to this whole balancing which is kind of interesting because um uh, myself and a lot of colleagues have tried to achieve that balance between living a good life um but also pursuing your art and um freeman patterson's really great to to point back to your subconscious because my compositions for years have always been about (laughs) perfectly balanced compositions and i think it's just Mm -hmm. because my internal subconscious is trying to figure out a way to balance my life (laughs) and so it's very intriguing when you look at your own art to see what state you're at um and, and and then you see yourself evolving with your art. Why am I shooting these kinds of things where in the past I shot those kinds of things? And then you start, it points inward, just like Freeman said. And you're like, oh, geez, you know, this is why I'm doing this now, because I was lacking this in my life. And, and that comes full circle to the healing part of photography. It also comes full circle to the expressive part of photography and the, the layered approach where you allow yourself to explore who you are instead of just go, I have to go nail that shot in Iceland that X number of other people have. And <laughs> tripod
0: yeah. it's. Um, <laughs> I think that's what's been one of the most exciting things for myself over the last probably year and a half is that um, I've really put a focus on like not focusing on, oh, that didn't make sense. I'm more focused now on <laughs> shooting for myself and seeing things that I think are interesting, but maybe no one else in the world would find interesting at all. Um, And I think that's okay Mm -hmm. to do that. Like, I think we should give ourselves permission to not have that, that crazy, amazing shot that like everyone comes to expect out of you. For me personally, that's what drives a lot of this like Photoshopping and and things like that is that I'm, I'm constantly in competition with myself to produce something bigger and better. And I think that's a really dangerous um, path to be on as an artist. Well,
2: yeah. Sorry, Sam. Um, I think that um, that's what I've seen amongst my colleagues and even myself, because for years I was a stock photographer, that did I get the money shot? Did I get the money shot? Did I get the money shot? And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got the money shot. You've got the money shot. And then it rings shallow because you haven't fed your soul. And I, I think as artists, we have to feed our soul. Um, and I guess as a professional, then the money shot sometimes <laughs> takes away from the, the, the soul part, right. so there's a balance um, that you have to achieve there. Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of artists who were successful were way ahead of the taste curve of the society, So, but they followed what they found interesting, and maybe society caught up with them, maybe it didn't. And I think, as an artist, to be true to yourself, you need to listen to your interests as well, and not get distracted by competition. Yeah. It's hard not to, right? I mean, there's so much information out there and wonderful things, and it's hard not to compare yourself to other people and say, "Well, you know, is my stuff that good?" Or how come right. I didn't get that many likes on this post? <laughs> and yet, that doesn't it doesn't really help us, right? Like it doesn't help us as artists or as as people striving to be good people or right. well rounded people.
2: Mm-hmm. And frankly, some some things look great on Facebook that don't yeah. look good as a print, and some things you have to see as a print or you have to see
1: in a collection, in a collection, as a project. Yeah, and
2: then as a as a whole collection, you're blown away. But as yeah. a single image, duh, nobody
1: that's one platform. Yeah, it's one platform. Yeah.
2: So mm-hmm. so what you know, what is your platform? You might have multiple platforms. What works best on those platforms? Who are you as an artist? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the one difficult thing with social media is it does kind of breed a a homogenous type i mean when you went you go on 500px for instance and all the big grand landscapes look the same there's a homogeneity and there's no kind of reward for individualism um and you know the same with with facebook there's certain things that are small thumbnails are are, wow but you know you but something that's more subtle that actually would live on your wall for years and people wouldn't get tired of They'll just get passed over. So I mean, you still have to be honest with yourself about what excites you, and and then where's the best output for that that people your your audience will appreciate? Because most of us we produce art for ourselves first, but ultimately we do want to. We're sharing creatures. We do want to show other people the excitement we had. Right. Look what I found. Or
0: exactly vision. Right. Yeah, and it's. Uh, You touched on it, Samantha, like it's hard not to compare yourself to others, especially when you know that you drove for four hours at two in the morning and like pre-planned like all of these things to get the Mm -hmm. shot that's actually real. And then someone else just stayed in their pajamas at home and just composited a few things together and like their stuff goes crazy and your stuff is like, oh, it's pretty good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate that there's not really a vibrant uh-huh. market right now for photography. It does well in certain streams, um, like the ones you described, but some like print has fallen sure. off the wayside a little bit, printing. I mean, I think there's a resurgence going on now with printing, but it's there. there's not as many um, places to share and show your work, which, you know, full circle, that's kind of why we were like, well, what can we do about that? Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, let's make a print magazine and offer up another platform. I mean, that really is kind of the... The root of the pain for us and a lot of photographers was just we need to broaden the markets and just have more forum for places where ethics matter, art matters.
2: Mm -hmm. And you know, that whole um, stripping things in, stripping in your skies that you weren't there. Uh, For us, uh, and this is a personal thing, our, our ethics would dictate that we would tell people it's a composite and, and not <laughs> or
1: call it digital art. Call it yeah. digital
2: art, but not represent it as real. And I think that's where a big frustration comes from people that actually capture things in the field. Mm-hmm. Um it's hard realistically, it. It, it's a hard pill to kind of put up with when people For are sure. are saying, Oh no, this is real, you know, I actually did see that huh. mermaid
0: on the back of the grizzly bear. Right. There was a unicorn <laughs> right there, trust <laughs> yeah. me.
1: Yeah. I saw one in your photo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, did you like that? <laughs>
1: yeah i did <laughs> i thought
0: that was good um, Very cute. so based on the uh name of the podcast f-stop collaborate and listen what advice <laughs> do you have for um other nature photographers
2: well i think the i think the biggest thing is and the thing that sam and i always teach when we're teaching creativity or we're doing mentorships is is just honor yourself and shoot from your shoot from your heart don't try to be somebody else because first of all, you're, you're unique and the world needs to know um, who you are because there's nobody else like you. Um, and, and if you shoot from your heart and, and express what's happening inside of you, you're going to create stuff that nobody else will create. It doesn't matter if you're standing at the same location. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really that's kind of our big message.
1: Yeah. It sounds corny and kind of cute, but it actually is true. And then, on our workshops or some of our mentorships, we see the, the, the photographers, the students do that, and they shoot what they're interested in, and they kind of let go of all those, is this going to get likes, or is this, like, is this cool? Does it follow yeah. the rules? Yeah, and they just shoot what they find interesting. I mean, we have photographers shooting ditches and <laughs> garbage and stuff, and they find it fascinating. And now they're actually, they're not seeing things as a, a labeled object. They're seeing things as a photographer, right. does, as visual elements. And then they're truly expressing what they find fascinating and their work improves so much mm-hmm. and they're so happy. So it's it's so exciting for us as teachers to see because that's when you get, the student get, gets that aha moment mm-hmm. and they just take off and their work is original, fresh, and exciting.
2: And then things that we always, that people strive to get, like personal style, actually comes out. Mm-hmm. Then they have recognizable, oh, that's a so-and-so image. because they Down go- the road.
0: Down the road because they got that from honoring themselves and shooting mm-hmm. from the heart. So how does how does someone start down that path?
1: I'd say get off Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) I don't know. I think you. I honestly like you should turn off how much you research and look at other people's Mm -hmm. images, and you should go study a bit of art and spend some time exploring what you find interesting. A lot of our we have some e courses, and we don't have people going out and shooting right away. We don't start talking about gear and f stops and aperture. We spend a huge chunk of time on our e course saying who are you? What do you find interesting? What motivates you? Like, what do you even shoot when you shoot? Like, do you like long lens stuff or short lens? Like, what? who are you as a photographer? And we think people would be kind of knowledgeable, but they're always delightfully surprised at how much they didn't know about their interests and motivations. But mm-hmm. when that becomes more conscious, then they have an anchor point to work from to pursue. But if you don't know much about yourself, then you're just like, swaying around in the current of whatever is popular at the time oh night photography is popular i'll try that even though maybe you don't want to be outside at nighttime freezing you know it's, it's not for everyone but if you have a little bit of an inkling of what your passions are your your why your big why why are you out there why are you photographing this why are you drawn to this then you start to follow your own path you start to put one foot in front of the other on the path you're meant to be on as an artist
2: yeah and we also take away distractions um, like location. So in yeah. the past, in the past, we used to go to, you know, the Canadian Rockies or go to Iceland or do whatever.
1: Beautiful, iconic places we yeah. visiting. Because those are the mm-hmm. kind of
2: places that sell, right? And, but now we're encouraging people, especially on online mentorships, they're shooting in their, literally in their yeah. backyard. They're shooting in their house. They're shooting things that they would just pass over because everybody thinks that they can only get great pictures if they go to some iconic location, where the opposite is true. You get good locations by knowing yourself, your true motivations, being able to create amazing stuff at home. And then when you go to an iconic location, so we're never saying don't go to an iconic mm-hmm. location. We're just saying then when you go, you would ex- you experience it as yourself and as a creative individual and not like, oh, I've researched and found the best location. I found when the moon's going to come over here, I'm going to create all these kinds of things. And then there's 15, other photographers right. doing the same thing. Really, you have to experience a place for yourself so that means often turning off your device um we never when we go to a location we don't research in, um, anymore we just experience it and let it kind of infiltrate our souls and then respond to that
0: mm-hmm. i like it
1: or not if I don't like or, it, or <laughs> yeah
2: and sam does it often is yeah if she
1: doesn't like it yeah. yeah if you don't feel the mojo then it's like well let's go back to the hotel and have a beer don't force <laughs> it yeah, yeah. No. yeah
0: i've had a lot of occasions where mm-hmm. i've been like i just don't feel it and i just don't shoot anything mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and that's okay i mean honor the it. nice thing is if you're outside yeah. then you're you're, you're
0: you're not losing exactly
1: yeah, <laughs> you're in a beautiful place you're just <laughs> outdoors and it's wonderful and you can hear the birds or the insects or mm-hmm. the ocean or you know, the wind in the grass. It's yeah. always a gift to be out there.
0: Or I just have a snack and have a nap in the field. It's <laughs> awesome. I, I like yeah. Samantha's idea of getting a beer.
1: Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> well, that's one thing we don't do as well. When we are out shooting, we shoot in the field and then we come back and we actually don't go and uh-huh. edit and creep over mm-hmm. our stuff. We actually put it away and mm-hmm. take a creative break. And I think we need to do more of that. Like that's a good thing to do have new photographers do like just put it away for a little while and mm. let it sit in yeah. your mind and
2: yeah well there's this myth in photography especially lately that you have to you know shoot for 72 hours straight without sleep and be this crazy <laughs> this crazy man or woman that just never gives up whereas you could really
1: get creative oh product. for sure you could
2: After about two hours, after about two hours of really intense shooting and you're in the zone, Mm -hmm. you need to have a recharge and then maybe you can go back in a couple of hours and do some more stuff. But it's been shown over and over again in studies that three hours max, but usually about 90 minutes. 90 minutes is you can zone in, you can be creative, you can do great stuff. And and this kind of myth of going for 12 hours straight without – we used to do workshops and we'd have people go from sunrise to sunset And man, they couldn't create anything after the...
1: (laughs) Neither could we. Neither
2: could we. And we all just wanted to go have a beer and (laughs) recharge and then go back out. But there was this thing that, no, we're here and we spent money to get here and we have to Mm. go like crazy
0: people. (laughs) So,
2: and that wasn't great for... um, for
0: Yeah, no, it's funny. I was on a, like a five-day trip this past fall to shoot fall colors. And uh, like by the end of like the fourth day, I was like, I think I'm good. Like... I I just like, <laughs> my brain is done. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. yeah. Have
1: you ever gone through a gallery or a museum, and after a while, you're just passing oh, your eyes yeah, over yeah. all this expensive, amazing art, and you're like, "Oh, so Too much. yeah, I'm full up to here." It's the same with photography.
0: Yeah, I agree. <coughs> I think it's I think it's also the same. Like that's how people are consuming it now. Like it's so readily available and mm. in, in such stunning detail and color that people like are numb to it yeah it, that's it's true it's yeah. a good point yeah mm-hmm.
1: we just are like next 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 and attention spans are really short yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we almost take it for granted all this this wealth of imagery out yeah. there so so much beautiful things to look at
0: right it's like uh what is that the comedy of riches or whatever like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Well, so how can people learn more about um, you guys and also about uh, the League magazine?
2: Okay. So, I mean, to learn more about us, you just have to go to Oopaboo.com. That's oopoom <laughs> com. Lots of O's.
1: And if you really want to learn about us, watch the video Watch the, video the About and then, <laughs> page. Yeah, and then see if you
2: want to go any further. Yeah, it's and, like, oh, and, of course, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, Those no. guys are goobers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but... We really like to um, help people be more creative. So we're not offering destination photography. We're, we're, our destination photography is the inner photographer. We're helping people find out more about themselves and who they are as creatives. So we have a me- mentorship um, programs. We have a field mentorship um, uh, and we have something called Resolve, which is a, a, a week on learning, how discovering who you are.
1: E-course online. An e-course yeah, online. Awesome. Yeah.
2: So, People don't have to physically come to us, and we've made them a bit more affordable. Um, we have lots of free articles. We have ebooks on creativity. We actually do have destination ebooks on the Canadian Rockies um, because we spend so much time there. Um, but we, even our destination ebooks, are more about here's what's in this area, and then wow, you, you can create stuff to your heart's content about you and not here's the tripod horse <laughs> and the coordinates of the, you know. Um, and then um, for League, it's um, leagelandscape.com and it describes um, uh, who the League is, what League magazine's about, how to be a League of Landscape photographer um, and also how to subscribe to, to League magazine. And the one thing I should point out is, is um, the subscription for one issue per year is $50 Canadian, which some people might think, wow, $50 for a magazine? But what it is, is it's um, there's no advertising, so there's no revenues from advertisers to support it. It's artists supporting artists. So what you're doing when you're laying down your 50 bucks is like, you know what? I believe that artists should get paid. I believe in a high-quality um, magazine. I believe that images captured ethically should be rewarded. Um, I'm going to lay my money down for this. And I also mm-hmm. believe that we should start a conversation and we should reward creativity at the base level. Um, that's what League's all about. Also, leads about a place where you can put your um, images and your ideas, and that you get paid well for—thousand dollars for a cover, thousand dollars for a feature, um, best in the league award, a thousand dollars. So, you know, it's not chump change. Yeah. It's not like we're—you know—we'll give you twenty bucks for your image, it's kind like, of thing. This is—and
1: it's also the cost because we print in Canada right mm-hmm. now, um, and we hire locals, so that we aren't getting paid right. ourselves as well, editors we're doing we're just pro bono. Doing awesome. a pro bono. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of the, the cost of making print, um, from sustainable sources. It's print is heavily subsidized mm-hmm. and that's good and bad in some right. ways, but that's kind of like the true cost. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you.
1: And also there's a Facebook group oh, I should yeah. Mention yeah. for yeah. photographers who want to share images and share stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is it league of landscape photographers yeah on facebook
2: yeah. league of landscape Google Photographers. That. the nice thing about the league of landscape photographers is when we're looking for gallery images we'll oh that one might be good we'll kind of troll on there and mm-hmm. and then ask the photographer well we want to include this in the gallery here's how much payment okay. is are you um are you okay with that so we always we stand up to our our, our ethics about always asking permission always um you know paying people and, being upfront about everything, so there's no, there's none of this kind of exposure there's no <laughs> stuff. There's no, there's no catch, yeah. and some people might go, "Wow, well, geez, fifty bucks an image, you guys are making tons." So like, no, it barely, <laughs> it barely covers the cost of the magazine. The last magazine we actually threw in. Oh, uh, I to believe make it. it.
1: Yeah, we have a budget on yeah. our website where it shows all the funds. Yeah, awesome.
0: so it's all transparent. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Well, thank you for telling us about that. I'm actually really excited to to get my own subscription. So I'm going to go do that this week for sure.
1: Yeah, thanks Matt. And thanks cool. so much for having us, inviting us on your podcast. It's a great thing that you're doing and mm-hmm. we really appreciate meeting, um, like-minded yeah. colleagues.
2: Well, and like we said, I mean, uh, you're an artist, you're creating something, um, useful in the podcast and in your images. And, and really it is, uh, people supporting, uh, conversation. This is mm-hmm. what this is all about. Conversation, collaboration, and creativity so if you if you enjoy this podcast it'd be great to have matt continue to do it and mm-hmm. it takes a bit of time and yeah. a bit of money to do it so we'd, we'd, yeah yet. we'd
0: love for people throw a yeah. little love matt, yeah. well right? i have one more question for you before i let you off the hook um who would you love to hear on the podcast
2: mm. well because <laughs> one great conversation you would have is freeman patterson yeah, maybe freeman, maybe a lot of your, he's in his 80s he's in his 80s <laughs> uh but if you want yeah. uh, like a seriously thoughtful
1: so intelligent uh, amazing man yeah freeman
2: patterson um we had him in our first magazine and we had a phone oh, interview cool. with him and we were just totally <laughs> blown away by not only how humble he is i mean for Canadians, most of us know him. He has the Order of Canada, which is the highest honor you can get. Um, he's just uh, super creative, and he's helped so many people um, become photographic artists. So for us, he's he's like the god of photography. Yeah, he's that yeah. at. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's not about great, you know, these all these locations he's done or all this kind of crazy stuff. It's it, it, it it's a spiritual photography mm-hmm. voyage. So if you're interested in in your um, listeners are which they probably are interested in that kind of voyage
0: he's the guy to talk to
1: he has lots of books out there Mm -hmm. so you can check out some of his work i love
0: it well once again thanks so much for coming on the podcast and taking time out of your busy schedule i really appreciate it a lot
2: we appreciate the effort you put in thank you very much